0: Pastor Chris's podcast. Well, it has happened. Spring has definitely sprung, and the weather outside Friday and Saturday was wonderful. It was just glorious. And this is my favorite time of the year. So, although this virus has disrupted our lives, maybe the weather and the green grass and the budding flowers is some compensation for all of our lives being turned upside down at least it it, it is something that we can enjoy so I want you while you're practicing your social distancing uh, be sure to go outside do a little yard work or just go for a short walk or if if not that just sit on your front porch and enjoy the beautiful spring weather Uh, sunshine will do you good say sunshine is it gives you vitamin D which is good for your immune system, and it's also good for your emotional health. So uh, be sure that you soak up some of that if you can. And while you are watching the world spring to life and grow all around you, think about what Jesus said. He told us exactly who He is. He, t- he explained His character by using illustrations. And we've been looking at these illustrations through this series. He, he was using the proper name of God, where God said to Moses, I am. God told Moses His name. I am. And so Jesus uses that same phrase, and He tells us all about who He is. He has said, I am the bread of life. In other words, I am the only thing that will give that will satisfy the deep hunger of your soul. And He said, I am the light of the world, the one who reveals the truth that lights your way out of the darkness. And I am the gate, the only way into the protective safety of God's presence. And he said, I am the good shepherd, the one who knows you by name and protects you. I will even lay down my life in order to protect you. And today we're going to look at Jesus' fifth I am statement from John chapter 15 and verses 1 through 17. Jesus said, I am the true vine. So let's read that together. John 15 verses 1 through 17. I am the true grapevine. Glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you, re- when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as, my, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't combine in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and to bear lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus said, I am the true grapevine. Now, I've never grown grapes before. I did find some wild grapes in in the woods behind my house, which was... Just exciting to me to find these things that I, I did absolutely nothing to grow, but they produced something that could be used. And uh, I tasted them, and and that was pretty cool. They, they were they were good, but they weren't like the juicy, sweet, beautiful grapes that you can get at the grocery store. Grapes were one of the main crops that was grown in Israel in Jesus' day. Now I'm not a grape farmer. But here's what I have read about grape farming. It apparently it takes three years for a grapevine to mature enough to produce good fruit. The first year doesn't produce any fruits, but it grows up very fast and, and, uh, gardeners train the vines to grow over a lattice and they, they, they build their support. In the second year, the vine may produce some fruit, but it's really only small, impotent Berries. It's not the kind of stuff that you really come to expect when you think of grapes. But by the third year, the grapevine is ready to produce a real crop of gorgeous grapes, but only if the vine has been properly pruned. If not properly cultivated, the vine may look lush and full, but it will not be very fruitful. Grapes develop only on new growth, which sprouts from one year old wood. So in the vine's second fall, the gardener must cut off about 70% of the plant, leaving only the main trunk and the canes. Now think about that. As the gardener is going through and he's cutting off 70% of the plant, that would just that would freak me out if I was a gardener. To cut away, you've got this beautiful plant that looks so good and so healthy, and you're just going to hack it away until 70% of it is gone, and all that's left is this bare trunk. I I would never think to do that, but that's what you have to do. If the gardener fails to properly prune the grapevine, it will not be very fruitful. But if the gardener, in faith, cuts away 70% of the vine branches, that same vine... We'll grow new branches and new shoots that will fan, produce fantastically fruitful, wonderfully sweet, juicy grapes. Now, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. In this I am statement, Jesus not only tells us who he is, but he also tells us who we are. He is the true vine, we are the branches. The true vine is the source of life. It is the part of the plant that reaches down into the soil and draws up life-giving water and nourishing minerals. These essential elements are distributed throughout the branches and the leaves so that they can produce fruit. Apart from the vine, the branches are useless. Yesterday, because it was such a pretty day outside, I decided to go out and cut my grass for the first time this season. I always like to let it kind of get up full before I cut it, and it's just been so wet and rainy this season, I haven't I haven't felt safe to go out and, and cut it, because I was afraid I might put tracks in the, the dirt or, or get my lawnmower stuck. But yesterday, I decided to go ahead and, and get out there and do it. I felt like it was just dry enough that I could get away with it, and so I did. But before I could cut the grass... I had to go around the yard and pick up all of the, the limbs that had fallen over the wintertime, dead limbs that had fallen off the trees. I didn't want to run over those with my lawnmower. Now, what good are those dead limbs? What can you do with them? Hardly anything at all. <laughs> There's only one good thing that I have found to do with those dead limbs. It's to pile them up in a pile. Next, I have a little fire pit in my yard, and I'll pile up stuff like that there, And whenever I get ready to have a bonfire, I'll throw those limbs in there and it helps get the fire started. That's about all that they are good for. And that's what Jesus is saying about those useless branches that are disconnected from the vine. Now, Jesus is not talking about agriculture. He's talking about your spiritual life and your relationship with God in Christ. We must remain connected to Christ, and when we do, when we allow God to properly prune us, we will bear much fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. That's a famous passage that tells us the fruit of the Spirit. Many people in our congregation have memorized that list, and you may be out there sitting in your living room reciting those fruits of the Spirit. In your mind right now. But it tells us the spiritual fruit that Christians produce. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we remain in Christ, we bear much fruit. And these are the fruits of the Christian. Now there's something about fruit. Think about fruit. I don't know if this is the actual definition of fruit, but every fruit that I know of has something inside it has seeds inside it, right? And there's something else about fruit. You know, you think about those grapes on the grapevine. Does the vine? Does the grapevine consume the grapes? No, it doesn't. The vine doesn't eat the grapes. The juiciness and the sweetness of the grapes is not for the vine, right? The sweet, juicy grapes are for others. Maybe it's for the birds that come by and pluck off the grapes and enjoy the grapes. Or maybe it's for other animals like deer that might come up. Now, if you're a gardener, you would want to protect your grapes from those animals and and just enjoy them yourself. So maybe the grapes are for the gardener to enjoy that sweet, juicy fruit. But every grape and every fruit that I know of, that I think of, has seeds in it. So if the birds eat the seed from the grape as it's eating the grape, and then it flies off somewhere else, and that does what all animals must do, The seed comes out and lands in the ground and it's fertilized and it takes root and it grows. Maybe that's why there's seeds inside the fruit. Or maybe the gardener enjoys the beautiful, juicy, sweet grapes and then collects all of the seeds and and plants those seeds and creates new vines that can then produce more grapes. Now you think about that in terms of your own spiritual fruit. Right? We're not producing grapes. What we're producing, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit. And although we sometimes enjoy having those kinds of fruit in our life, those kinds of fruit are a blessing to others, right? Because you come up to someone and, and they think, man, you know, the world has been turned upside down. We can't go to school. We can't go to work. We can't do the events have been canceled. All of this stuff is disrupted. And I look at this Christian, And they're full of peace and full of patience and full of kindness. What sweet fruit is growing in that person's life? How can it be that this person has this peace within them that doesn't make any sense? When everybody else is full of anxiety and worry and stress, this person is so full of peace because the Lord has cultivated the garden of our heart and we have produced the spiritual fruit of peace. And that person... Sees that sweet, juicy fruit, and it's so, and they get to enjoy it as we love them, or as we share joy with them, or whatever fruit we offer to them, it is a blessing to them. But inside of every fruit is a seed, right? The seed of the gospel. Because this person says, What is it about this person that it makes them so full of love and so full of kindness and self control? And in the very center of that fruit, is the seed of the Gospel. It says that Jesus Christ has saved this person's life. Though they were a sinner, the Lord has picked them up out of the miry clay and set their feet upon the rock and has created them a new creation. And while the rest of the world is going crazy, they are filled with sweetness and goodness because the Gospel is inside them. And people will see that fruit and will enjoy that fruit. And many of them that seed of the gospel will take root in their heart as well, especially when we share with them what it is about us that makes us different. Because it's not us, and we freely admit that. If left on my own, I would be a terrible person. You wouldn't want to be around me. But because the Lord is growing spiritual fruit within me, if, any, if, I, am, if I ever am a person that you enjoy being around, that is why. Now God, the gardener, is no fool. He knows that there are many branches on the Jesus vine who are useless, resource-sucking, no-fruit-producing branches. These selfish people are only there hoping to hide in Christ and avoid eternal punishment and hell. These useless branches care nothing for God's glory or God's kingdom, they're only in it for themselves and what Jesus can do for them. But God cannot be fooled. The great gardener of our souls knows how to tell a useless resource sucking branch from those branches that have real potential for producing fruit. And God cuts away those branches who will never produce fruit. And he gathers them up into a bundle and he throws them into the fire because that's all they're ever good for. Now, I'm so thankful that the God we serve is a patient and merciful God. He has certainly been patient and merciful for me. You see, I gave my life to Christ when I was only eight years old. I was in children's church at Pine Forest Baptist Church. And I gave my life to Christ. And and I'll be honest with you, it was a very selfish decision that I made. Because the, the people in that, that, that program, they, they made it very clear. They, they were talking to an eight-year-old kid and they said, if you believe in Jesus Christ and accept Him as your Lord and Savior, He will give you eternal life and you will spend eternity with Him forever in heaven, which is paradise where there's no more sin and no more suffering and no more death, no more tears. But if you reject Christ, they said, you will spend eternity separated from God forever in hell which is a place of torment and suffering. Well, as an eight-year-old kid, that choice was pretty easy. I don't want the bad place. I want the good place. So I chose Christ. It really had nothing to do with what I was going to do for God or being thankful for what He had done for me or or by sharing His love with anybody else. It was purely selfishly motivated. And for many years in my Christian walk, that's, that's all it was. But God was merciful and patient with me. And he saw perhaps that there was potential for fruit to be born in my life. And I'm so thankful that God is abounding in patience and mercy. And He waited for me to mature in my faith until I began to grow up and began to be less selfish and began to be thinking more about What a wonderful thing it was that God had done for me and how though I never deserved it, He loved me anyway and He rescued me and He set my feet on a better path. And so I began to look and see what can I do for other people because God has loved me and He loves other people and He wants me to love them too. And because I love God, I want to love them as well. And I began to look and to turn my heart outward, away from me and towards others, and began to bear Fruit, And maybe that's you in your life. But how long must God wait on you before you stop being a branch that is only ever sucking resources from the vine, but never producing fruit for the kingdom? Because God is merciful and He is patient, but the great gardener of our heart will not wait forever. And even those who remain in Christ, who truly are good branches, who truly do desire to bear fruit, there is a kind of pruning that must take place. There are many things in our lives that must be cut away. And I think about the the times we are living in right now, when so much of our regular, ordinary lives has been cut away, and we can't do it, or we shouldn't do it, or we're not doing it. And it's, it's, it's hard. And I don't know what the percentages are for our spiritual life. How much does God have to prune away? But think about that grapevine. You have to cut away 70% of the grapevine and leave it as a hacked up, cut up, bare vine in order for it to be fruitful. How much does God have to cut away from our lives? I don't know what the percentage is, but if it was 70%, Imagine how much of your current life must be cut away. Perhaps that is part of what we are experiencing right now. And so, meditate on this. Contemplate this today. What are you learning from these very interesting days that, that we are living in? What are some of the things that God may be pruning away from your life? so that you can be more fruitful? What are some of the new things that God is growing in you, where less fruitful branches once stood? What is growing in you that might bear real fruit for God's kingdom? Jesus said, I am the true vine. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing but wither and die. You will be discarded in the the trash heap to be burned up later. But the good news is you can choose to be something better. Through the gracious power of the Holy Spirit, God allows you to decide. Will you choose to remain disconnected from Christ, chasing after your own selfish desires? These are useless. They lead to nothing. They only suck your life away until you are dried up and a withered branch, lying on the ground, broken, that's good only for the fire. Or will you instead try to hide among the other Christian branches that are around you, trying just to to look like a Christian and act like a Christian, but not really producing any fruit for God? Just hoping that you will go unnoticed by the master carpenter? Let me assure you, nothing escapes the master gardener's discerning eye. He knows, and He will cut away any useless branch so that, it can, so that He can make room for new branches to grow that will bear much fruit. And so I'm praying that today, everyone who is listening to this will choose to be one of Christ's faithful, connected branches who is allowing God to prune you so that you can bear much fruit the kingdom won't you pray for god to help you to choose to be a fruitful branch today i hope that you will i hope that you will let's pray father god we thank you for your wisdom and your love you sent jesus christ to be the true vine that all who connect with Him and remain in Him will bear much fruit. I pray today, O Lord, that all of us who are listening will listen to Your voice calling us to be in Christ, to let Him be the Lord and Savior of our life, to seek to allow His love to so infiltrate our hearts that we love others the way You do, that we will love Christ so much that we would Seek in every way that we can think and imagine to obey His commands. And the greatest of His commands is to love one another. Forgive us, O Lord, for any time that we have ever spent in this life as an unfruitful branch. Help us to willingly allow You to cut away anything within our lives that keeps us from being as fruitful as possible for you. And help us to remain in Christ always. For it's in His name that we pray. Amen.